I'm Ed Peters, and I welcome you to What's New. We move on today to verses 26 and 27 of Romans chapter 1. Here in these verses, Paul continues to point out the unnatural retrogression of man due to his revolution against God. On our previous study, we saw man's degeneration being measured by his perversion of sex. So Paul states that God simply handed them over to their desires, which led to the lowest depths of moral degradation. Now, here in verses 26 and 27, he continues to show this moral degeneration, and he writes, That is why God let go of them and let them do all these evil things, so that even their women turned against God's natural plan for them and indulged in sex sins with each other. And the men, instead of having a normal relationship with women, burned with lust for each other men doing shameful things with other men and, as a result, getting paid within their own souls with the penalty they so richly deserved. These are passions of dishonor, disgrace, and depravity, regardless of what public opinion is today. Perversion entered into the Greek life, and it brought this nation down to the dust. Go over and look at Greece today. Their glory has passed away. Why? Because these were their sins. Now, here with our study is Pastor Henry Harder. 
When God is removed from man's thinking and man is put in God's place, then the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah are soon practiced. This is a demonstrable fact. There is a close connection between spirituality and morality. Paul writes about this in chapter 1 of Romans. He says about the pagans, they exchange the truth of God for a lie. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Paul is clearly writing about the practice of lesbianism among women and the practice of homosexuality among men. These acts are evidences of perversion in the created order. These sins accompany apostasy. Those who are able to think correctly about God must conclude that by these practices, men and women dehumanize each other. They do what God did not intend them to do. They do what God forbade them to do. Sexual relations is to be carried on only within heterosexual marriages. There it is proper and holy. Man's horizontal relationship with a woman can be most meaningful when his vertical relationship to his God is in order. The sex act is divorced from God when it is perverted or inverted. That is when it is practiced without the bonds of heteromarriages. There is a great deal of pressure placed on us by society to take a softer stance on these matters. We need to clearly see what God says about these sinful practices. Since they are self-enslaving, they are a foretaste of hell. Their acceptability in society never makes them acceptable to God. Their increase in our world is but evidence of man's apostasy from God. It must be said, however, that different tendencies exist within the emotional and mental makeup of men or women. God allows for thee. But the practice of lesbianism or homosexuality can never be condoned as an acceptable lifestyle. Those are evidences of perversion in the created order. Man has a tendency to become morally perverted when he entertains wrong ideas about God. In verse 28, Paul notes that he also becomes mentally perverted when he entertains wrong ideas about God. I'll come to that verse tomorrow. We must, however, emphasize that upon repentance, confession, and forgiveness, and upon forsaking the practice, these sins can be forgiven just like any other. Every sin removes man from God and destroys him. Some sins do that more drastically and more obviously and perhaps more quickly than others. The last part of verse 27 deserves a comment. Paul writes about the men and women who practice sexual perversion. Then he adds, they received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. This means that the deviant sexual act contains in itself a penalty. The act itself has 
within it the seeds of punishment. There is a correspondence between the sin and the punishment. Perhaps there is a particular punishment already in this life for every sin. Every sin carries within it certain penalties. What is the penalty? We may list several. One, of course, is man's abandonment to immorality by God. If man pushes God out of his thinking, then he is abandoned to his immoral acts. They gain power over him. These homosexual and lesbian acts have a binding force within them. They capture men and women and hold them. It's hard to break free. That is a penalty which the sin carries within itself. Second, when sexual activity is engaged in that is outside of the framework established by God, there is a gnawing, unsatisfied lust that remains. I have often heard this from men and women. Usually society is blamed for not accepting these acts as normative for some people, but there is more to it than that. There is a guilt and a shame built into these acts that society alone cannot be blamed for. Sexual fulfillment is just not possible unless practiced by God's rules. He knows what's best for man and what's most fulfilling. Homosexual and lesbian acts cannot be fulfilling for a man or woman created in the image of God. There has to be a deep-seated frustration and turmoil in the gay facade. A third, reward or punishment or recompense for the practice of sexual perversion is the dreadful physical consequence. It is not incidental that some of the most dreadful and deadly diseases are perpetuated when God's rules for sexual activity are violated. There is a fourth recompense or penalty for the sins of sexual perversion, and that is the fact that the minds of those who practice such acts are abandoned to depravity. That's one of the penalties that these sins carry in themselves. How we live often determines how we think. I didn't say how we think determines how we live. That is true, too, but I said how we live often determines how we think. When we persistently engage in a particular sinful act or manner, our minds begin to justify that sinful action. That's precisely what is happening. Many who practice homosexual acts have come to the point where they make every effort to justify them. Their lifestyle has affected their thinking. I say again, how we live determines how we think. I must close by repeating that every sin can be forgiven. God loves every sinner and Christ died for every one. God's love is not selective. It extends to and reaches to every person. He is a Savior of sinners. Wonderful message from heaven, wonderful promise to see. Say
is a radio production of Creative Encounters. Our mailing address is Post Office Box 848, Chapter California, 93263, USA. 